Welcome to the Nutrition Burnout Podcast, your home for food and body obsession. I'm your host, Christy Brown, founder and creator of Intuitively Strong. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nutrition Burnout Podcast. And today's podcast episode actually stems from a follower who DM'd me and she's like, Christy, what do you think about this? So I want to give a shout out to Beth. Thank you so much for messaging me and sending me this article and bringing it to my attention. So this article was titled, Obesity Was Long Considered a Personal Failing, Science Shows It's Not. It was from US, USA Today. And honestly, I read it and we both agreed it needed to be said, but also the article lacked a clear solution. To kind of give you an idea of what the article was about, Beth replied back to me with this. She said, thank you so much for looking into it. It feels like the solution implied is to either take drastic measures to change your body, like the woman presented was a failure for gaining weight after surgery, and she said the message feels like it's saying it's not your fault, but you're basically damaged. And I thought Beth was freaking spot on. And I thought, honestly, that it was a crucial subject to bring into the spotlight. So thank you, Beth. I appreciate you all so very much. So let's dive into this because there is a lot that goes into this. There is, I think when we talk about it, we have to look at it at different perspectives because I believe wholeheartedly that there is stress to look a certain way in this world, right? That's diet culture. Diet culture in a nutshell is uh, a social aspect or a social cultural stigma that we all have to be skinny, look smaller, uh, look leaner in order to be healthy. That health is a look. It's not how you act or a state of mind. And that is very untrue. This is kind of what we're, we're fighting. I always tell my clients, I'm like, we're the suffragettes in this instance, because, you know, our, our mothers are, are the people before us, they lived through this. We can break it. So our kids and, you know, future generations can live peacefully from it. So in my mind, it's my job to break this stereotypical cycle. And as a former athlete, as a former bodybuilder, as somebody who was caught in that extreme cycle of diet culture and who bought into it for a very long time, and I think a lot of us are still there through no fault of our own, but it's something that we we have to really uproot these very strong, strong roots that have been like instilled within us, you know, since our teenage years. And for some of us, even before that, that health is not a look, it's a state of mind. It's how we take care of ourselves. It's in our self-care, but there's also another side to this coin. So I am a person of small size privilege. And even though I do come from a family with larger genetics, um, I'm not super lean. I have a lot of cellulite on my body. I have uh, wider hips, a bigger butt. Um, my arms are not, you know, super muscular anymore as they as they would have been back in the day when I was restricting and under eating and overworking myself. But I am still a person of small size privilege in this world. Um, what I mean by that. And I used to fight this all the time until 
it clicked and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's actually a thing because I never believed it before. And um, my friend, Lauren, she is, her Instagram handle is anti-diet fatty on Instagram. She's an incredible resource for this subject because she is a person in a bigger body. And she said on one of her Instagram posts, she's like, okay, so feeling bad about your body or having bad body image days is not the same as body discrimination. What she means by that is I can walk into a doctor's office and I don't get discriminated for my weight because my hip hurts or my knee hurts. And I have walked into doctor's offices before because I have, I have had a hip replacement, um, back in 2014. And so I often go in and and complain about that, uh, about my knee and my hip. And if Lauren were to walk into the doctor's office, the first thing they would say is lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. And I can tell you for a fact, Lauren is a very healthy person. She takes care of her body. She takes care of herself. Um, she's an intuitive eater and she, the doctors, you know, just kind of take that first glance and that first look and say, oh no, it's weight. It's definitely weight. And that's weight stigmatization. Okay. And another picture that I can paint for you about weight stigmatization is let's say Lauren and I are sitting at a table together and we're both eating pizza, right? And it doesn't matter what I ate the day before, what I ate before this or after this, whatever. People will look at me and not even think twice about it, but people will look at her and think, wow, is that really the right thing that you should be eating? Same if you go to the grocery store, right? If I'm in the ice cream aisle and I grab out some ice cream, you don't know who it's for. You don't know if it's for somebody else, if I'm getting it for, um, you know, a party or if I'm just getting ice cream because I freaking want it, but you don't care. But then if Lauren does it, you're like, oh yeah, she shouldn't be getting ice cream. She shouldn't be doing that. And it's just instant prejudice. It's instant judgment. So what does this mean for people that live in smaller bodies like me? What this means is we still have a fear of fat phobia. Okay. We were taught to be so fearful of gaining weight because it's going to make us look unhealthy or because it's going to make us be unhealthy. So we fear more than anything experiencing the stigma and the trauma that people that live in bigger bodies actually experience on a day-to-day basis. We don't actually experience it, but we fear that experience that these people are going through on a day-to-day basis. So whether you are a person of small size privilege, medium size privilege, or whether you're a person who lives in a bigger body, I think that all of us encompass this stress of weight gain and the stress of losing weight is what's causing us to gain more weight, right? Are we doing it the right way? Could we be doing more? We need to go harder, stronger, faster, longer, all the things, right? And again, I want to make sure I hit this point home. My fear of weight gain, of living in a bigger body, of being discriminated against because I am in a bigger body, my fear of weight stigma is valid. However, it is not nearly the same as the people who actually live in bigger bodies are experiencing right now. And that is called privilege. That is why we say we have small to medium-sized privilege, because it is a privilege. And honestly, it was the luck of the genetic draw. I do believe that the stigma that fat people feel is 
awful and terrible. And it's something that as people of small and medium-sized privilege learn about this, you need to begin advocating for them and advocating it that that is not acceptable, that that is not okay, that we do not judge a person. Just like I freaking tell my kids, you don't know what that person's been through. You don't know anything about their life, about their body. That lady that's going to go grab ice cream out of there, you don't know if she just lost 100 pounds. You don't know if she just gained 100 pounds. You don't know if she's on medication that's making her gain or lose weight. You don't know if she just lost somebody. You don't know if she's getting it for somebody else. You have no idea. And even if she did just want that ice cream for herself, who are you to tell her that she can't? Because what happens is people that live in bigger bodies experience this discrimination and that causes stress because now half of these people don't even go into doctors. They might have something wrong, something chronic that they won't go into the doctor's office for because all the doctor is going to do is say, you just need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. So let's dive into this subject because I know that this hits everybody on a different level and at different levels, okay? I'm not comparing it, saying that this is the same to small people, medium people, larger people. I'm saying that no matter what privilege size you fall into or what size you fall into, you can relate to the stress of losing weight, okay? And I wanted to bring some enlightenment and a solution to this really multi-layered onion that we call the obesity pandemic, right? Because when you peel back the outer layers of this very diversely faceted subject, you'll discard really thick slabs of BS before you get to the actual heart of the problem. Because I see you. All right, I see you doing your best, trying to make these lasting changes to get healthy. You know, this is going to become a lifestyle, right? But there's something that you haven't quite thought about that's actually holding you back. And there's also a secondary invisible obstacle that's standing in your way as well. And those two things are stress and stigma. All right. So I'm going to paint you another pretty picture of what's likely going on in your life. Okay. And as for reference, we're going to use an imaginary friend here, imaginary, yet hella relatable friend. We're going to call her Stella. Okay. Stella, Stella walks into her doctor's office for a physical. The doctor immediately comments on her BMI and weight and tells her to get her weight under control with dieting. Right. So she guiltily scrambles her head through all the diets that she's been on and hasn't had success with. Okay. She's got Keto, Weight Watchers, Noom, Whole30, the whole gamut. Oh, and, you know, don't forget that 15-day cleanse along with uh, $1,100 worth of supplements and powders that tasted like crushed up cardboard boxes. All right. So Stella looks at her doctor with shame as her throat fills up with a really uncomfortable block of fear, regret, and frustration for not sticking to any of these diets in the past. Then she asks her doctor in the super pleading tone, like, what should I do? And at this point, they probably recommend another diet, going on a previous diet, but sticking to it this time, right? And joining a gym and watching portion sizes, like very vague things, or to take a weight loss pill or to do surgery. And our dear Stella leaves feeling broken, okay? She feels defeated and frustrated, and she has no choice but to repeat the dieting cycle and comes back the next year to her appointment having gained even more weight with an even unhealthier relationship with food. So if she even made the appointment at all, because at this point, like we talked about, many people are skipping their annual or crucial appointments because of the number on the scale. 
So what doctors aren't understanding in this diet culture infested world is that chronic stress over needing to lose weight is actually what's causing this weight gain cycle to continue and derail our nutrition and fitness venture. So our stress about losing weight is causing us to gain more weight. And there's new research out there from UCLA that's now recognizing this really strong correlation between stress and obesity. So I like to think of this as a domino effect, right? Think of stress as that first domino, that once in motion, it can knock down an entirely new system of dominoes if they lie in its path. And you may feel stressed and find out that you're suddenly breathing faster and noticing a rapidly thumping heart in your chest. And if this is done repeatedly, like, yes, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. You get the stress about it. If done repeatedly or in really continuous patterns like yo-yo dieting, this can send signals to your brain to actually increase inflammation, to prepare your body for battle or to send spikes of glucose or sugar through your blood to kick on a quick fight or flight response in case you need to like go into battle, right? Because again, our brains are so prehistoric still. Our brains are still thinking that there's a saber-toothed tiger running after us. So, and also just so you know, P.S., that sugar injected into your veins is called cortisol. You might have heard that stress causes uh, your body to release cortisol. Well, that's what it is. It's basically uh, sending sugar into your veins to, or glucose, to create adrenaline. And stress triggers that into effect because cortisol is there if there is a saber-toothed tiger running after you. Um, So your brain can't tell the difference between something real or imaginative. So whatever you think in your brain, your body is believing it. And if you believe that you're going to lose friends, get talked about, or never be loved, liked, or accepted for gaining weight, then the stressor you see as unattainable weight loss is now turned into this ferocious tiger running after you to your brain right? And for people that do live in bigger bodies, this is something they experience on a daily basis. So think of stress, you know, stress causing cortisol. Think of cortisol as a built-in alarm system, right? This triggers your fight or flight response. And once released, stress, cortisol can result in high blood pressure, headaches, heart problems, diabetes, skin conditions, asthma, arthritis, depression, anxiety, and high blood sugar levels. So your body treats this stress of gaining weight like a tiger running after you. And its response to it is releasing the cortisol, which can knock down those dominoes and eventually knock down the dominoes of what we just talked about, the blood pressure, the headaches, the heart problems, diabetes, skin conditions. So stress doesn't just live in one place. It affects our entire biological ecosystem. All right, so there's basically four steps that your body and brain are gonna go through in order to really kick this awful cycle of stress and weight gain into existence. And I want you to really listen in because if you've experienced all four of these, you're likely deep into that cycle. So the first part of it is compliance. So just like, you know, alcohol uh, impairs or turns off our cognitive functions in our brains and filters, so does stress. So just like that tiger you know, if that tiger were running after you, the last thing you'd be thinking about is if you forgot to shut down the garage or if that text you sent was a little too assholey. All right. So let's go back to our friend Stella, because I'm going to use her in this really stressful situation of needing to lose weight. All right. So 
Stella's here. She just came back from the doctor's office. And as her brain is drowning in stress of hopeless weight loss, she can no longer think straight, right? She may get the high of planning her next diet, as we all do, right? We all feel that, yay, I'm planned. I like it. Because planning is actually considered a solution in your brain. And that's why we often overstress over things or... um We often go into worst case scenario or think things through way too much, or we are like Debbie Downers or worst case scenario people because planning makes us feel like we're doing something and it temporarily relieves the stress of our brain because it feels like we're finding a solution. But then her planning gets derailed, right? First week of the diet's always a good one, but then life happens because diets want you to live in a bubble and not get sick and never go to an event and always prep all your food and never eat anywhere out, right? Because her first event is eight days into her new diet and she feels so deprived from her 30-day no sugar challenge that she can't organize her thoughts or manage her emotions in order to eat how she wants to eat to stay compliant. So she just says, F it and goes into all or nothing mode as she bombs headfirst into the dessert table. All right, so she's trying to stay compliant, but the compliancy leads her into stigma. That's the next one. So she wakes up the next morning to what I like to call the binge hangover and feels awful about not sticking to her plan last night. Now the stress is influencing how she eats today. I've got to be good and eat clean today. No sugar. She runs an extra mile with her already lethargic and stressed body. And her body is sending her signals of muscle tension, but she just ignores it. So then it's like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, and she wants to get in bed and she can't because she's burning the midnight oil, prepping food for her work week. And she is in such need of deep recovery and sleep, but her body is just protesting like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. I'm so tired. So she drags herself into bed for what, three hours of solid sleep and then gets up at 4 a.m. for her workout. Then after the compliance and stigma, she's going to experience biology. All right. Here's what happens next to our poor, poor Stella. Biologically, her body is naturally trying to reach homeostasis, aka restore its balance. Our bodies are always trying to find balance. So whether you put on a diet, it's going to want to try and balance that out. And without fail, it will with time. So her hormones are now so stressed and jacked to the max that she's been running on tiger fuel, fight or flight response, right? For a solid two weeks. In response, her body goes into DEFCON 5 mode. I totally made that up. That's not actually a thing. And thinks it's going to starve and it is on the brink of breaking down. So it's causing her hunger hormone, ghrelin, to make a spotlight appearance and is also telling her troops to store fat because we might not get enough food in these stressful times. And on top of that, her brain is cranking out reward systems like Oprah, right? You get a donut, you get a donut, and you get a donut. And her dopamine kicks in and cravings and all the reward systems, you know, you know what, you've been so bad, uh, you need something to feel good, but it needs to be a quick hit. So she turns to food. So because food has always made her feel safe, secure, and loved, that's exactly what she goes to. And the cycle continues after the biology happens. What happens now is that she creates an even bigger domino effect. 
because this has been going on for a long time. She's been yo-yo dieting for a while. This continuous stress loop is leading to uncontrollable blood levels and heart conditions that can further impair her hunger cues and satiation levels. And hello, domino effect. We bring in the fourth and final step. Our poor Stella is now living in the habit cycle. She has now made this a habit. And as she goes back into another diet because she couldn't do that one, travels through this painful loop again and again and again. And she's now concerned that she doesn't know how to eat if she's not on a diet. And she feels like she has no control over food and she can't seem to get it right. And she might even be experiencing weight stigma or fear of weight stigma as an added layer of smothering stress. So again, that weight stigma is the sum of prejudice or discrimination, negative attitudes aimed towards those perceived as overweight. So she has now created a habit loop of diet culture that she cannot escape. So what do we do about it? I want to give you three tips to help you lose the stress and stigma of weight gain so you can begin thriving instead of just surviving. The first thing you have to do, and this is the most important, You're not going to want to do it, but I'm telling you, this is it right here. I know it sounds scary, but you have to ditch the diets. All right. You are an incredibly smart human being, and there's a hefty chance that going on another diet or wellness plan is only going to dig you deeper into restriction and diet obsession. This means as long as you're on a diet, you will struggle within this this loop. So burn the loop and start something new. All right. Number two, lose the expectations of weight loss and use this one thing instead. Okay, so instead of thinking about weight loss, ask yourself what a healthy you feels like rather than what it looks like. How do you feel after you move your body? Are you able to go out for ice cream with your friends and family still? How do you feel after you eat out at a restaurant? How do you feel when your head hits the pillow at night? Do you feel thirsty or are you drinking enough water? Do you feel energized after eating or do you feel sluggish and slow? Are you constantly thinking about food and are you hungry all the time or are you mostly satisfied? Start thinking instead of, oh my gosh, this is going to make me gain so weight. Think of that food as energy, right? What do I need this energy for? Um, Is this even tasting good? Is this something that is worth my taste buds? Do I like this? And I want you to really think about like how that food is going to make you feel after you eat it. That will help you figure out how much of it to eat. And the third thing is to lose that all or nothing mentality. Because when you go out to that restaurant and feel like you have to choose between the salad or the burger, why not get both? Like if you have a choice between working out, getting sweaty and having to wash your hair and not doing all of that, why not go for a 15 minute walk with your dog? You know, instead of thinking I have to do the whole thing and I have to do it all, if I don't get that, you know, hour long workout in, then I didn't do anything at all. No, that 15 minute walk is way better than anything. So instead of thinking in black or white terms, choose a tone that is gray and that fits your needs. All right. Start thinking of and and both instead of either or. My friend, you are not broken and you are not too far gone. You are a human stuck in the idolization of diet culture. And this isn't a quick fix. I'm not going to glamour you into thinking otherwise, but this is something that's firmly rooted within your life. And it's likely a branch on your biological tree that develops your values and morals and where you currently are. 
And I'm not here to tell you that it can't be uprooted. I'm simply here to tell you that this mindset shift, it's gonna take work and time, right? I tell you this in every episode. You're not gonna be done listening to this episode and think, oh, wow, yay, Christy, thanks, I'm cured. I wish that were the case, but it's not, all right? You have to work at this. And that's why I suggest filling your Instagram feed up with people like Lauren and people who, you know, use the hashtags intuitive eating or body neutrality or, you know, anything along those lines. And you see people that are going to help you on this. Start turning your social media into a place where you go for support and love and encouragement and inspiration. And literally, I want you to get rid of all the people that make you feel less than in any way, shape or form. And if you need some more help with this, if you're like, Christy, yes, I get it, but I need like, oh, a guidance or something. I have a structured program that will take you into this world. And by the end of these 12 weeks, it's in my Courageous Nourisher program that I take you through one-on-one with me, where I literally hold your hand through this process, give you step-by-step weekly guidance where we will literally see each other every single week. And I will help you get through this idolization of diet culture. Okay. So I want you to check out the show notes below. I want you to download your free um, plate building system if you haven't already. And I want you to schedule a 60 minute end binge eating blueprint call with me. All right. That's your first step. And then we're going to talk our way through this. I'm going to hear your story. I want to hear what you've been through. And from there, I want to help you build out a five to six step structured plan to help you feel in control around food, to help you build a better body image, to help you get rid of that scale and to focus on health, to help you get to that point to where you're not counting and tracking your life away, to where you're living life and you're not just surviving, but you're thriving. All right, my friends, that is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you could, please, 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 please give it a five-star review. And what this will do is it will help reach more people. So, and if you do have um, something that you want talked about on this podcast, like Beth, check me out on Instagram, DM me and say, Christy, I need you to talk about this subject. All right. I'm here for you. I have built this podcast for you. So tell me what you need and I will help you get there. All right, my friends, that is all I have for you today. And until next time, intuitively strong, 